Welcome to Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast presented by AKG. Just as one revoices a chord, Revoicing the Future creates a completely new perspective on the invaluable notes that make up the whole. It will uplift women's voices in the music products industry, which have earned their time to be the root of the chord. Once a month, you can catch productive and valuable conversations with women working in manufacturing, retail, the nonprofit sector, music education, touring, and overall women who inspire us. Together, we can help shape the future of our industry, one interval at a time. This podcast is co-produced and edited by Natalie Morrison, Stephanie Lamond, and Julia Olson. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Revoicing the Future. I'm your host, co-host, co-producer, Natalie Morrison, and I'm live at the NAM show with my Revoicing the Future team. Say hi, y'all. Hi. Hello. <laughs> we're here to... This is Steph. This is Julia. <laughs> and we're so excited to be here live at the NAM show. Thank you to Harmon and AKG for giving us the Harmon truck to record today. We're so thrilled. And you're probably listening to this way after the NAMM show, but um, we're we having a blast. Here and it's yeah. Great, so, yeah. <laughs> you never know who's going to stop by. So, that's true. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> today, we are so thrilled to be talking with Talisha Romero, who is the co executive producer of Pensado's Place. Yeah, Hi, hello. Talisha. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's honored to have you here. Um, so, let's start. Let's dive into it. Who is Talisha? Give us a summary of who you are inside and outside of work, your journey into the music industry and what you do today. Well, I'm still learning who I am as well, so that's right? an always-growing kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, going on 16 years in music and entertainment, uh, moved out to L.A. from Colorado as a senior in college back in, like, early, what, 2007, or late 2007, I guess. Um, got a job straight out of college as a, a studio assistant to Snoop Dogg. Um, you know, I was an intern in college and applied to a random job and happened to get an interview in Inglewood, uh, went with my mom. Three weeks later, they called me and said, hey, we want you want the job, move out here. Left before graduation, started there, uh, spent a couple weeks in the studio with him, and he actually let me know he's starting a marketing company, and he asked me to be a part of the founding team of the Cashmere Agency. It's the leading multicultural marketing agency in the world. Cool. Um, and our format, we started with digital marketing. So right when MySpace was brand new, uh, Twitter and Facebook weren't out or anything. So we actually helped get music on MySpace and develop artist profiles and, you know, sort of kick off the social media enterprise that is entertainment these days. Wow. Um, all with West Coast artists, Snoop Dogg's whole ro- artist roster, um, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, went really hard, developed the company, and then about two and a half years in, the economy crashed, and a number of us, including myself and my team, were laid off. Yeah. Uh, kind of had a crazy history there. Uh, started scouting anywhere for jobs, just trying to stay in L.A. You know, I was still young, 23, you know. Wow. Uh, and lo and behold, Craigslist held the key. Uh, I know it's kind of <laughs> yes. I know it's kind of sketch. That's so funny. Uh, I applied to a random job posting on Craigslist looking for somebody who did entertainment, social media, had a background. They were trying to get into it, and uh, I applied. Turns out their recruiter who was looking, I managed a project for him and Snoop. Uh, developing a social media site and whatever and he put me at the top of the pile went in and it was an interview at Rob Deerdick's Fantasy Factory for Deerdick Enterprises 
Um, I actually interviewed with Jeremy, his manager at the time first, and then they called me back for a second interview with Rob. And shortly thereafter, I got the job. So stayed in California, had to find a new apartment, everything. <laughs> um, started as the social media developer assistant. They had no idea what social media was at the time. Didn't understand the value in it, whereas, you know, I saw where it was going in the future. So developed all of Rob's social profiles, had sort of like a 90-day trial. And at that point, he was like, you know what? I don't like the Internet. Not about it. You know, I don't know if we're going to be able to move forward with this. Um, and then literally two hours after our meeting, he posted on his Twitter that he hated that he was looking for an assistant and wanted to find something. So I walked down to his office and I'm like, listen, hire from within. Let me keep my job. Um, and that's I turned into his uh, executive assistant. Wow. And uh, yeah, it turned into that, developing out all the social profiles, working with him directly on, you know, personal assistant stuff, taking care of the dogs and managing the house, but also all of attending all of his meetings, taking all of the notes, being the right-hand gatekeeper. So then I got promoted again to uh, director of marketing and events and, uh, you know, helped him develop uh, four brands, or sorry, 20 brands, four TV shows, uh, professional skateboarding league. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, I, I the Rob Dyrdek Foundation, we built, built skate parks in underserved communities in the corner of a pre-existing park, you know, um, all kinds of stuff. And now you see the skateboarding in the Olympics. We started started that initiative wow. through Street League Skateboarding. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, Ridiculousness is his sort of on-air, you know, maven masterpiece. Uh, I worked, I had an office inside the Fantasy Factory for all seasons and you know every day was a different thing today we're roller skating and tomorrow we're gonna go and build a giant swing set downstairs or you know everybody's gonna learn how to ride a mechanical bull today you know so yeah that kind of thing uh (laughs) involuntarily on a reality show yeah Yeah. kick flips and car flips and uh everything left and right and then um he got to the point where he'd been in front of the camera for a very long time and wanted to work on his family. His, his wife was pregnant, so he stepped back, um, sort of disbanded all of his companies and, you know, worked it out with our core team of what we were going to do for the future, you know. And I broke off and I developed my own marketing agency, Brilliant Pebbles. Um, and I love that name. Thank you. There's a, there's a story behind that, too. Yes. Um, so, yeah, and through that, you know, I developed a number of clothing lines and worked with different entertainment professionals and celebs in really just brand development and creative and uh, TV production and coming out with different concepts and just, you know, ideation to execution, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then randomly uh, got involved in and went to the NAB show out in Vegas and, uh, you know, actually rerun. So I went to the University of Colorado for audio production and engineering. Wow. So I got my full certification from, uh, you know, the music and entertainment program, and I really wanted to be an engineer. And so that's what got me in with Snoop. So it kind of came full circle when I went to the NAB show and I met a contact who worked in pro audio. They were looking for somebody to help with marketing for this company called Audionamics, which is sort separation you put a track in and it separates it into multiple stems, you know, and you can use it however you'd like. So got hired on with them and it sort of kicked off my pro audio journey into working with various brands and concepts and then um, found out Dave and Herb sort of lead the pack and 
mm-hmm. all things podcast, entertainment, anything pro audio. Uh, and they sort of own that audience, and I hounded them so we could sponsor them. Mm. And I have a problem where I can't shut my mouth. Obviously, I've been talking <laughs> steadily no, for the last, That's the whole you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so um, it's, you know, we were doing that, and uh, it evolved into me throwing out ideas to Dave and Herb on who they should have on the show and how they should format differently, and just, you know, how to make their lives easier um, in filming episodes and all of that. And they brought me on as a uh, outside consultant slash co-executive producer. So that's where I'm at now. We've been running strong with them for uh, four or five years now. And then I also still have clients on the outside. I work with a company named, uh, called Soundflow. It's a immersive technology that Anybody could code any app that they would like to run through Pro Tools or any sort of uh, thing that have a Stream Deck uh, comp- component where it essentially removes the need for any key uh, commands or stuff like that. And then also Andrew Sheps mm. just released his recent plugin called Bounce Factory, which uh, bounces mixes while you sleep and it gives you sends you a text message when everything's done. Oh so, my gosh! Yeah, I have a, a number of things happening, a lot of balls <laughs> in the air, um, but I love every part of it. And we're at the Name Show again, which is uh, one of my favorite places to be every year, you know. So amazing, and sitting with you guys and uh, watch you guys grow over the last two years, right? It's <laughs> yeah, pretty amazing, it's crazy. Yeah, for like just small side story, like years ago, I guess pre-pandemic, I was just a little giant Pensados Place super fan. Just like Shalise, the head of PR, let me just tag along because I wanted to be around all of you. And Talisha was so wonderful. I was like, come on, and and just you know brought me right in and and you all have been so supportive and yeah. we started this this whole time like my gosh, thank you just, i know herb gave us a major shout out like yeah. i think the first like month and a half in and i was like okay like <laughs> this is we this is a thing now yeah. <laughs> well, just it's, and you i think what all of you really exemplify too is like that very supportive familial atmosphere that is our industry at its best right like yeah. when it's when it's its best so yeah thank you for doing this work also, no thank level. you so I mean, it started for you you know you introducing Dave and Herb on stage for our last Pensado yeah. uh, Nam <laughs> thing and I forgot about that and was I was so really scared great. I'm like there's no one place like there's first I have in my head gone back over and over again now that I've gotten more confident speaking but like this is how I do it now like this is the <laughs> intro I would give you can't do it but I was just like that was, that no, was sweet but it was you so up and, and it was yeah. perfect you know mm-hmm. uh, we love Joe uh, Stephanie Lamont's dad is yeah. obviously CEO president chairman of NAM, uh, amazing guy so it's all love you know yep, part of the love. show and before I forget about it we'll get back into the rest of it but everything that you're doing how do you manage your time between all yeah. these projects because so it's the biggest thing so like how much do you give to Pensados and then to your other things and how do you in your brain manage all of these buckets that you are yeah. giving yourself to? Uh, first of all, it's I, I've never gotten to the point where I have a my ideal work-life balance. And that's one of the most mm, important things huge. that I've learned along the way. I definitely didn't have that skill in the beginning. I hit burnout real fast and I didn't know how to deal with it. And now it's I've eased my life into a organized chaos kind of thing. I know it's probably a lack of better terms and not really descriptive, but with Pensado's place, it's always going, right? There's always super random events, uh, change of plans. Um, So there's not really a 
set schedule with them. Yeah, right? so you have the flexibility. Yeah, so I have the flexibility there, and I know we have sort of like a basic routine. And I know, you know, for our show setup, I schedule everything out. That's extremely organized to a T. As far as live events, it's a little bit more up in the air. So it's just being really flexible. Now, my other clients, um, what I find pride in myself is being very transparent Mm. with my schedule and my availability and uh, throwing it in the marketing plans. Because when somebody is paying for a service, they're always wanting more than you can provide. Yeah. You know? Anybody is always going to take something for free, especially if they're already paying you for that service. Yeah. yeah. Oh, can you do this on top? It's amazing. You know? And it's like, they're never going to stop unless you give a boundary. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. What I've learned in the past, you know, probably four years more recently with COVID especially, mm-hmm. is setting boundaries and being very clear with my communication on what I'm capable of and how much power, manpower I'm willing to put towards something that is parallel to the pay scale. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, then, you know, that's another conversation being women and women of NAM, you know. Uh, I've never really been like, oh, women get paid less, this and that. I just really understand that in business, again, anybody's going to take what they can get, right? So, uh setting a perceived value and maintaining that and knowing what my work is worth and keeping that bar raised and not really giving in to that is really how I maintain my balance. It still gets out of hand, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, there's always, you know, the 10 p.m. text saying, hey, can you get this for tomorrow? And it's like, oh, you know? And those times it's like I have to, you know, I usually lose the debate by my internal debate of, like, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to stay strong. Because I just have a work ethic where I'm very much, you know, I take pride in what I do. Mm -hmm. So I'm still learning that. And I don't think a lot of people, unless they're at the sea level, um, you know, know how to do that well. And even sea level, you know, they work sometimes the hardest in the company because they are managing all the other parts. So I just feel like anybody who has a strong work-life balance has been through the ringer enough and they have the cushion enough as well to, or a team, a solid team, you know, where they can relax a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm getting to that point, not quite there yet, but hopefully when I interview with you guys in a couple more years or whatever, we could talk about that and I'll have a better answer, you know. Boundaries are so important. Yeah. My friends and I, we talk about it all the time on like burnout and setting those boundaries and say, knowing that it's okay to say no to things because mm-hmm. you don't have to do everything. Mm-hmm. It's better to do thing. It's better to do a handful of things very well than do a million things half-assed. Yeah. Can I say that? Am yeah, I say yeah whatever. Yeah. I said it. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's also us all as we grow and leaders. Like I feel like a lot of times when we talk about this, it's on the the person getting the. 10 p.m. text to say yes or no but I feel like so much of that can be on everybody that is in a position to about to send that text be like could it wait till the morning or does it have to be now like building a workforce that is giving mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. these commands you know these these requests that are thinking about that more maybe yeah. that's also our cultural and, shift we're trying to make and also like when you do it once they're gonna think oh she's that's gonna yeah so it's a managing expectations right Mm -hmm. the second you open that door 
two weeks from now you're going to get an 11 p.m. text, you know. Um, so that's been, I think, one of my likely biggest downfalls where it's, you know, I open the door because, again, I have expectations of myself and I just have a problem saying no. Yeah. And that's the yeah. total, you know, problem. I was, you know, my generation was raised to be work, you know, hard workers and you want to prove who you are by your work ethic and all yep. of that stuff. And yep. I think the current generation, the you know, Gen Zers or whatever, you know, they have a great grasp on boundaries. Yeah. And they know and they have no problem saying no. And it and I think the older boomers, you know, I did air quotes just so you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the older boomer generation doesn't understand like I don't think they're gonna eventually learn that should I send that text because yeah. they can't see why the younger generation doesn't want to answer. Because yeah. they you know, it's just like being an intern when I started, right? You'd go get the coffee. You'd take out the trash. You'd do whatever you could. You'd put yourself in the front. And I still that think that's a very valuable skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, be very forward and almost giving with your time if you want to move up in entertainment, right? But at some point in time, you also have to have that structure enough where people understand, like, I can't ask them to do that all the time. And I think that the dichotomy there is the older generation doesn't quite get why... Uh, the younger generation has these healthy boundaries yeah. because they're so used to being bending over backwards for anything because they know that's the hard work mindset or yeah. that hustle, you know. Um, and that they had to do it. So, like, by golly, you're going to have to yeah, do it too if you're you know? like And it's a totally but, different yeah. thing because you can still get ahead and still be very proactive but also have that, okay, I'm not working after 9 p.m. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. and 9 p.m. is really late. But again, <laughs> in entertainment, so say you work in the studio yeah. or whatever, these guys are in there all night, you know, yeah. and girls, you and know, things but pop up. yeah, mm-hmm. things just happen. So just being true to yourself and knowing what you're willing to commit, you know, yeah. is uh, it's a skill. Yeah, totally a skill. <laughs> and it's that a muscle that can be strengthened and also weakened and strengthened. And it's an ongoing. And you're going to be fighting with yourself all the time. Yes. So like, I always am. Yeah, and and learning how to deal with like the guilt. Like my thing is like guilt. Like guilt, yeah, same. Dude, if yeah. I don't do it, like are they gonna hate me? What am I passing up by not doing? Yeah, it's oh, yeah, it's dude. totally an eater. So yeah, I don't know. We'll learn all that one together too. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> run it together. We'll we'll report back. <laughs> yeah, reporting back. <laughs> Amazing. Well, okay, cool. So then bringing it back. Thank you all for going on my tangent that was mostly self-serving um but uh, so with your path that I mean you kind of walked us through it a little bit I feel like I know more so what it is but I love that you have just followed what came and your skill set like what you knew you were good at what you wanted to do you didn't stay in one lane because you had in your mind that this was your lane or something you know like yeah. you, you you you've hopped around and you've gone where it was meant to go and so um I that's just huge and, but I think we also do this because in this question I wanted to talk about spreading yourself a little too thin and I think we've already gotten into mm-hmm. that and so um what in these threads that you followed what do you think are your skills that have been your assets that have led you to these positions like what what are the mm-hmm. things that you think have served you in these common threads uh having a strong case of ADD to be honest like I was yeah. diagnosed when I was younger you know and it's just at that time I didn't think, you know, I thought it was like a terrible thing. Yeah. Right? But having to switch gears so fast, left and right, or being able to use both sides of your brains, you know? Yeah. Um, and really just go with the flow. Uh, you have to be malleable, you know, especially in, in pro audio, entertainment, technology. 
you know, your timelines are always moving and fluctuating. Either, you know, there's a supply chain issue or, you know, your product roadmap gets pushed back because of coding problem or, you know, COVID happens and all live events are canceled. So it's just being able to, you know, quickly move and uh, run lean, you know, yeah. uh, carry, you know, pack light kind of thing. Yeah. almost Like scrappy. You know? yeah. yeah, exactly. Scrappy. And, uh, you know, it's something that you have to be creative, you know, mm-hmm. in, in different aspects. You know, I think there's creative, like artistically and, you know, just visually, but then on a business sense, you know, being able to bend and flex and lead your team is, there's no greater asset, I think, is, is being a good leader. Because the second you find security within yourself and your game plan, whether how up in the air it may be, as long as your team sees the strong leader who's confident in yeah. what's going to happen, they're going to feel more comfortable and they're going to want to work towards a common goal, you know? So I think having trust in your team and believing that they can accomplish it no matter what the obstacle may be or how hectic may, things may happen, you know? Yeah. So I don't know cool. if I answered the question. No, but. yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, but that's all the things you exemplify too, right? It's all, it's all of the the common grounds that serve you in all these positions Mm -hmm. and and in that too like we um it's all producing it's and how do you define producer but in all of these roles because I feel similarly like all of these jobs we have that have different titles different skill sets a lot of it does end up being producing Mm -hmm. and that is in itself such a fun job such a cool role to be in and so yeah, like it's and it's hard to make that intentional. I was wondering, like, is it intentional? But it kind of finds you. Yeah, well, so I mean, my career path uh, wasn't intentional at all. Yeah, you know, I got pushed into marketing. I mean, I went to, in addition to getting my audio degree or pro audio degree, engineering, um, I got business marketing. You know, just as a fall, you know, my mom's like, you need a real job, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So <laughs> classic. classic. <laughs> I got like the, the fallback, you know, as the, the double degree or, or minor or whatever it may be um, in marketing. And, and really, I got pushed in the direction of being in marketing because somebody else saw my mind and they mm-hmm. saw my skill set when I was young. And I didn't necessarily know. I wanted to try everything in yeah. entertain, music and entertainment because being from Colorado, it was like the island state, the flyover. Everybody comes in, does a concert, and leaves. There's mm-hmm. not an entertainment industry there yet. It's growing, yeah. but there was no example for me to follow. So I wanted to go in and play the business role. I wanted to be an executive producer because, in my mind, an executive producer was something then completely different than what I actually know it to be now yeah um I wanted to be Diddy but the female version yeah Yeah. brands I wanted to walk on the red carpets I wanted you know yeah have all that stuff and you're on your way yeah yeah (laughs) but in order to do that you have to know every asset of the business yes you're doing right and there are so many assets in a business world today because technology is out there Mm -hmm. like crazy so, yeah, I, I had to learn and see what those were. And then I pushed myself, no matter how uncomfortable uncomfortable it was to be, to be in positions that would expose me to what skill set I needed to develop. Yeah. You know, so when I said I'm still learning and growing, I'm still doing that, you know. Like, yeah. I'm very much the person that will say, like, yeah, I can do that, you know, and I'll figure it out. Uh, 
not to say that's what I always do, but <laughs> if there's <laughs> something so great, you know, especially like now, Web3 technologies, right? I'm very much learning about that and getting into that kind of thing. And just so I can have that extra thing in my back pocket, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Well, and, and that it's interesting because a lot of that, like, did you ever feel because you were starting off in the audio and engineering side and marketing was the back end of it? How did you? Was there ever a resistance that, like, oh, but I want to go this way? Like, I feel like it's you are so good at the surrender, but, like, was there ever a part that was, like, this is who I am? Yeah, oh. man. That's, uh, sometimes I regret it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely miss it. You know, I would love to be able to produce an album, you know? Like, because I was, you know, producing, making beats. I've played drums and guitar since I was little. Yeah. You know? So it's, yes. like, uh, there is that creative that I would like to explore. Mm-hmm. But I also now working in Pro Audio with Pensado's Place, and I see the people who are uh, behind the scenes and working in the lair and on the you know on the consoles and stuff. They're extremely talented, and the amount of time they have to dedicate to their craft, yeah, in order to be at their level of output and expertise is just something that I don't have the time to donate to. Yeah, and my passion isn't as much there any longer because I see how good they are and how much, you know, they're commanding the space that I have full confidence that they're good doing it and yeah. I'm good benefiting them, you know? Yeah. So it's, I still get a little, you know, a little like, touch of it. Yeah. And I can play on my own time and go and yeah. do whatever and sort of like fantasize about that. But that craving has been there, you know? That's a really beautiful model of like acceptance though, right? Like yeah. being aware, like we have... So we only have so many paths we can take in the yeah. time that we are allotted. And so little time, so you know, little time. so little time yeah. that it's, uh, you know, you have to make decisions and, and some of them, you know, just don't go the way you want and you adapt to new goals with the direction in your heading. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And if you have the opportunity to engage in those other wants and needs, then uh, that's amazing, you know, but you have to get to the, the one goal before you can hit another one. You yes. Know? So exactly. That's a big thing for me. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. That's huge. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you guys are making me all. <laughs> it's amazing to hear all the different roles you've had. I feel like you've lived 20 lives. In this, yeah, I have. In this short conversation. <laughs> like, yes. What can't you do? Like, I'm actually curious. But now you're co-executive producer mm-hmm. of Pensado's Place. I am. And uh, what does your day-to-day look like for that? And how do you incorporate those skills that mm-hmm. you use for all of those many roles? Yeah, okay, day-to-day. So uh, we typically schedule a number of episodes per week. Um, we're all doing things still virtually just because of the pandemic. And uh, our studio space for in-person is actually, we're partners with Music- Musicians Institute. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Nice. And we um, have a whole beautiful setup in the, in the live house. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, since they are an educational facility, um, the laws regarding the pandemic are still extremely strict yeah, yeah, in California. So we can't shoot in person, just that limitation. So um, we usually schedule like one to two episodes a day and we'll run everything on Zoom. Uh, probably two days out of the week, we do full production. Um, take an hour of everybody's time, you know, we shoot it, get the questions out. And then, you know, I also manage all of our sponsorships. I'm sort of like our, uh, liaison there, um, as far as like executing all the marketing and, uh, getting our concepts out to our social team, Tyler, uh, we're a very small crew. So it's Tyler and I sort of run everything in Pensado's place. She's our director of social media and I'm a co-executive producer, um, 
So we, yeah, work with sponsors, get all the marketing plans out, you know, create all the materials. She posts on social. And then I go and I run through the episode, make all the edit notes, um, pull all the assets as far as like supporting visuals together, send it off to our video editing team, Sean and Kevin. They're amazing guys that we picked up from MI. Cool. Um, and then they sort of package it. We get it up and, you know, wash, rinse, we repeat. And then um, always scouting for new talent uh you know we like to feature a lot of young come up people yeah you know um yeah whether they be Mm -hmm. artists engineers producers whatever so I do a lot of research on that I have a ton of meetings with different you know just people in business and audio and then uh you know depending on I like to sort of manage my day as like half days right yeah just so I can maintain that balance right I've gotten to the point especially working from home that you can hit burnout really easy if uh-huh. you're just, you know, plowing through the day. So I'll work half day um, for Pensado's place, take the time, you know, have lunch, play with the dogs, you know, and then uh, go and check off things for my other clients and make sure that I'm on point, hitting timelines and all of that stuff. So uh, how, what's the lead time? So like, let's say you record two episodes on Monday, like do those episodes come out couple weeks later so we, is it that yeah. week or is so we have one episode every week uh, we typically post on monday or friday depending on uh you know fatal errors or right. technology or what you know we have a last minute sponsor inclusion or whatever because inside our episodes you know we have a section that's called homework where herb will walk everybody through what promotions we're having now what contests giveaways industry news names coming up you know all kinds of stuff like that so we shoot that separately mm-hmm. um and then we'll also have uh sort of other inclusions of like uh, we have a, a series called Shop Talk where it's studio tours like MTV Cribs and then ITL's Dave's famous uh, you know teach everybody about new plugins and software mm-hmm. and how to tweak the knobs and all of that stuff you know cool. um, so it really it's one episode per week we usually like to stack a month two months in advance so mm-hmm. it's we have the pre-roll content already edited then we plan out the schedule um, and since we already have the episode content created and saved, right, and done, we can go and get all those additional content pieces that will be included in the episodes mm-hmm. or sponsor mentions or, you know, on-site visits, whatever it may be, and just sort of build it and package it together. That's awesome. But then there's also the other extreme where it's like uh, I'll get a call like, hey, Justin Bieber's tour guy has a stop on the bus tomorrow at 12, and we want to run it this week. So we'll have to hustle, get it out, get the interview done, and then push it out on Friday, you know? So mm-hmm. it's kind of everybody, again, is very flexible in working together. Um, so, it's kind of yeah. like journalism life, right? It's the same. It's just mm-hmm. the new kind of method of yeah, very arm much so. of that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's really... Yeah, you just, you just blew <laughs> I, just, there, I just did the mind blowing. That's I mean that's interesting too that because it is such a small scrappy team, use that word again. Like you are so hands on with that mm-hmm. whole process, like doing the edit notes. Like yeah. and that that is another thing that your audio background is so helpful for too, yeah. I'm sure. Like all of these podcasts that I've helped start, like if I didn't know how to edit and how yeah. to comp, like I would never have been able to help these tiny zero budget podcasts get off the ground. And that's the thing, budget, right? So let's talk yeah. about budget real quick. Yeah. Almost everybody doesn't have budget at mm-hmm. all. Like, and if they tell you they have a budget, they probably don't want to spend it on you. Like, let's just be yeah. honest, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. budget items are usually spent for like live events or big things that have strong ROI, right? Yeah. 
anybody who tells you a podcast is performing outstanding that's outside of Joe Rogan and delivers high numbers for a sponsorship is lying to you, right? And I'm not saying that for just Pensados or anything. I'm saying about the trackability of how many podcast listeners are going to click a link. Yeah. You know, like, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's so hard. I can't, you Mm -hmm. can't tell somebody, we're going to get this many conversions from you, or for you, on behalf of your new product launch, when we're talking about it on a video or a podcast, really, it Mm -hmm. requires somebody to remember, oh, hey, there's that thing. Let me go to their website and find the link, and let me go click that link specifically. It's It's, only, like, specific codes. Yeah, and they send you a trackable link, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, in order to get the clicks on that link is slim to none because if I'm a listener, I'm driving in the car and I have my podcast on Mm -hmm. and I hear, uh, Andrew Sheps just released Bounce Factory. Go and click the link in our bio. I'm not going to go and click the link in the bio. I'm going to remember the name of the thing or Andrew Sheps new plugin and I'm going to go and Google it and whatever pops up, that's what I'm going to click because of memory. I'm not going to go and execute a marketing action just because I know somebody's making money off of a clickable link. So it's just on a marketing side of thing, the expectations of having a strong or ROI on something that is trackable are outlandish to me. And I think that they need to reformulate and have different expectations. Like, Pensado's Place is all about brand awareness. Mm -hmm. We've developed brands from nothing Mm -hmm. to overnight success, 50% increase in sales, but since we didn't get all the link clicks on them, they're like, oh, well, we don't see it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, listen, you can clearly see that you guys started with this here. Qualitative. Yep, Mm -hmm. you see it here. And then here, you're not sponsoring anybody else that has gotten the same kind of traffic we have. Mm -hmm. So where did that come from? Mm -hmm. You know, so, again, my whole thing is about managing expectations. And if if you're such a data-driven person, uh, I know this doesn't even flow with the question that you guys asked No, but it's fascinating. It's really good, yeah. If you're a data-driven person, uh, you're looking for the wrong thing, and you're not going to see the results ever that you are wanting Mm -hmm. from any sort of, uh, again, marketing action. It's all about, you know, uh, psychology behind the actual initiative, yeah, right? Exposure and and, and what is going to grab the attention enough to stick in somebody's brain that they go and search it out on their own? Yeah. They're going to go here. They're going to look their product up. They're going to look on social media. They're not going to click that link. You know, that's it. And and uh, having to explain that and actually get people to understand it. It's a very special skill. <laughs> Difficult. Because, yeah, difficult. Yeah. Because, again, everybody has uh, KPIs. I did yeah. air quotes again. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, yeah, KPIs. Because I think it's a bunch of BS, you know. Uh, my performance isn't indicated based on 10,000 people clicking the link. I can go and buy a bot to click the link 10,000 times. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that they're going to convert? No. <laughs> Are you going to get, you know, sales from that? Maybe three, you know. Yeah. But come on you know it's just a and for again you were talking about how do we change that culture right how do we get that top level executive who's you know talking to his team yeah about to value that yeah yeah you know how are how are they gonna make that hit right Mm -hmm. how do we change the definition of what's accepted as a return of investment, yeah. right? Like, yeah. how do you quali- uh, quantify your $10,000 is worth this much? Why are you only making it worth clicks? Yeah. You know, like you're yeah. limiting so much exposure and potential, you know. We can have, we can design an insane viral element at 
NAM and get everybody talking about it, all in the press, everything, what's that worth to you? Nobody's clicking a link, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. it's just, it's crazy. So, yeah, sorry for my marketing no, tangent. do not apologize. Uh, so, on that, you're talking about the strong viewpoint of metrics. Mm-hmm. How would you measure the success of your oh, role yeah. in your company a, um, yeah. from your perspective if you're not using metrics? Mm-hmm. Like, what would you say, like, we were successful because of... Yeah, so I think it... As that leader. Yeah, as that leader in, in the... So different channels, right? So right now, we're at the NAMM show. Um, Pensado's Place has... And Shalise, uh, don't get me if I'm talking uh, the wrong numbers. We have the highest attended events in pro audio. Outside, no hands down, people standing outside... You know, lines around. Last night's was People wild. are dancing and <laughs> twerking. Like, I, I have my whistle still. Yeah. <laughs> in my bag. You know, uh, I've never seen. A, I was in his head spinning, break right? dancing. It was I've never amazing. seen a long-haired pro audio man wearing a Hawaiian shirt twerking until last night, yep. and I was like, okay. I did this. This is yeah. This is what <laughs> happens. Our panel last night. Um, you know, I don't know what we did on streaming, but pack the house, three hundred fifty plus plus, mm-hmm. however many, right? The views on our Instagram and our stories, you know, I trust those metrics because we have hundreds of thousands of people watching and messaging us yeah. and, and commenting and asking. And, you know, uh, the buzz around Nam, people coming up to me and just, you know, being my personal contacts, speaking so highly of it, you know, mm-hmm. and having our brand sponsors happy and seeing them see the return in that sort of thing. And we did gather data. So everybody that walked in, we scanned their badges, yep. you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that I know that NAM didn't do prior to our events. I require mm-hmm. badge scanners at every event. And now they have them at every single session. They require badge scanners when they go in. So mm-hmm. I see the return in we get their contact info. We can remarket to them anytime as much as they we can until they unsubscribe, you know. And it just sort of gives us that brand value where – they come to the NAMM show next year, they're going to be like, damn, Pensado packed out the house. Mm-hmm. They're giving away $25,000 in free stuff. Yep. Let's go. And I actually have fun there. Yep. You know? Yeah. It's a relief from being around all the suits and all of that stuff. Yeah. So I see that as success. Um, all of our sponsors will receive all the lead generation that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is opt-in. So, again, they get that remarketing value. Plus, leading up to the event, they get all of this exposure on our social medias. Um, you know, we have various episodes, Tide, whatever. Now, on social media side of things and return, um, and, uh, you know, that it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, engagement, of course. Uh, views, impressions, I do trust metrics for that. Um, but again, uh, I see value in creating those viral branded moments. Mm-hmm. Rob Dyrdek was full of them, right? Mm-hmm. Every corner of the fantasy factory was branded out with the logo. So anytime that the camera would, fly, you know, pan, there's all these Monster Energy, DC shoes, you know, everything left and right. And it just became a mainstay because they see it so much. Yeah. So really, I... I personally trust brand awareness more and lead lead generation. And then once you capture that data from that person, it's your internal job to convert that, right? So just purely based on marketing, I'm not trying to sell sell anything. But if I was, you know, working at Audionamics, I was in charge of, you know, sales. And we increased 50% first year. That's the brand I was talking about. We blew them up overnight, you know, with Pensado's Place, right? So 
that is uh, sales driven, you know, and promotional value and uh, value add of throwing in a freebie, you know, like what's going to make somebody want to buy something? So is it they buy something and they get something for free? Like for, uh, for example, right now with Bounce Factory and Andrew Sheps, he just signed a deal with Avid where all Avid Pro Tools users have a free trial of his product and then they get a discount in order to buy that product after the free trial is over. So you hook them, they try it, they love it, and then they're like, damn, and I get a sale? Like, okay. So that's the stuff that you usually see higher conversions with, and I totally trust those numbers. So, Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, so well, exciting. like we like to do as we wrap up a conversation, what is a piece of advice that you would give to encourage women who, want, who are in the industry and are trying to move around or just trying to figure out who they are or maybe women coming from another industry who want to work in the music industry mm-hmm. is there anything that you like any anything um confidence in yourself you know and you have to believe in yourself more than anybody else is ever going to believe in you mm. because you're the only one that knows your level of execution your dedication and uh you know your ultimate goal of the outcome so having that faith that you can execute no matter what anybody tells you, you're going to have so many haters. You're going to have this bubble of people always, you know, second guessing you and questioning you. And it's going to, you know, be tough on your mind. You have to maintain that level of respect for yourself and understanding that you can do it. And, you know, stick to itiveness. And, um, you know, a lot of the questions on the show when we ever have a, you know, a female on, and we ask, we tend to ask them, what can men in, well, Herb and Dave ask, what can men in the industry do to make it easier for you? Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily like that question because um, it's not up to a man to make it acceptable for me to work here. Yeah. It's, it's not up to a man to do that for me. Mm. It's we're working here together and it shouldn't matter what I have between my legs. Uh and what I do in a role, right? So it's not your job to open the door. It's not your job, you know, it's your job to be respectful and treat me as a human. And so I don't leave that up to anybody, but as a female in the industry or a woman entering into the industry, just that confidence that you shouldn't have any barriers, even if, you know, whatever your gender may be or your identity or anything, like don't go into that. But you have to be proactive. Yeah. Don't expect anybody to do it for you. Like, right. same thing goes with minorities. You know, I'm a person of color myself, mm-hmm. right? And it's always like, well, how can we make this easier for people? Well, they have to apply first. I have to, you know, like, anytime I've been hiring for positions, the amount of people of color I've had apply is very limited. Oh, interesting. And I think it's because there, uh, there's a fear there you know, or a lack of self-confidence and belief, right? So in order to get anything in life, you just have to put yourself out there and believe that it's going to happen and have that faith and the follow through and follow up on it. And don't let that waver at any time because it's not up to somebody else to provide you an opportunity. It's your job to go out there and get it. And, you know, that's what I would leave it at, you know, Uh, don't wait for anybody. I love it. Yes, that's a great way to end. Oh, yay. So many sound bites. I know. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Talisha. This was such a great conversation. 
thanks for listening to this episode of Revoicing the Future. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major streaming platforms or visit our website. Be sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things Women of NAM. This episode was co-produced and edited by Natalie Morrison, Stephanie Lavand, and Julia Olson. Together, we can help shape the future of our industry one interval at a time. See you next time. 